0: Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Hi friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, Misty and I are talking about the virtue of patience. And Misty came up with this topic. She is the queen of the best ideas for podcasts, I have to say.
1: you feel so good. <laughs> you are. What a great compliment.
0: You are, I have lots of issues in my life to pull yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, lots to work through, lots to talk about. Yes. No, you do. You have the best ideas always. Um, you know, patience is actually in all contemplative traditions, whether it's yoga, mindfulness practice, some other style of meditation, um, patience is like queen, you know, patience is queen or king. Um and in this society, I think it's one of the reasons mindfulness practice is so important in this day and age of instant answers through iPhones, instant fixes through pills, you know, patience through these practices that ask us to slow down and not get everything we need instantly is a real inner skill that I think is required for any kind of contentment, any kind of happiness. Um, you know, practicing patients changes our neurobiology. It changes our hormones. Even there's just no silver bullet in these practices. I think that's why a lot of people quit meditation or yoga. It's like, it's not working. I've tried it for a month. It's not working. We're talking like lifetime commitment for these to have any kind of real change. So I have a lot to say about patients. So really, really great idea for a topic today.
1: Uh, when we first started like the podcast, I kind of got that heart racing, like very anxious feeling and sweaty. And I think it's because this is something that, I mean, patience is honestly probably the guiding reason for my, my mindfulness practice, um, patience in life and things it throws you patience in motherhood. Patience with my spouse, patience with my family, patience with my extended family. Like all of those things require me to kind of slow down and often see things from other people's perspective or ask myself, is this worth it in that situation? And I'm not always good at it. And so as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, oh. This is like I have to really work at this, and um, I grew up a very ADHD, impatient child, and I was constantly being told to slow down. And I see the same things in my daughter. And what's great is I have the ability now to give her a more mindful approach, and which I didn't have access to, and so. I'm excited to, when I get spun out, that's kind of what tethers me back is be the model because you have to show them that mommy has to work on patience. And I tell them that. I'm like, look, I lost my patience. I'm very sorry. I'm human and I'm really working on it. And I think, you know, I am. And I think that, especially as parent that's probably why a lot of parents lean into mindfulness is, oh, that's the magic bullet. Like you said, I'm get Someone's going to give me patience. And here I am. I've been practicing now for five years and it is a daily practice.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's a daily practice. And I think what's so important with these practices is to remember that we're never going to do it perfectly. We're always going to get it wrong to not take it so seriously where, where we get mad at ourselves if we do the wrong thing, but to know that it's like little progressions each year, you know, little, little wins each moment, losing your patience can be so many things, right? It could be getting angry at somebody and losing your temper, but it could also be, this is something I've had to learn over the years, like when it's my duty, when I'm needed to jump in and fix something, or when there's a situation that actually just needs to play out. And I think depending on where you are on the spectrum, some people have a need for more control than others. And if you have a need for more control, you quite possibly are one who wants to jump in, get things done, fix it. So it doesn't move forward any longer, that uncomfortable situation where the skilled response and the wisdom of our practice comes in when we can know, Hey, this is really uncomfortable right now, but it actually just needs some air to breathe. It doesn't need me to fix in and end it, whatever it is. It doesn't need me to get in there and like, you know, make a decision that's final. Sometimes things just need to sit in their discomfort. And for me lately, that's really where my practice comes in is like the ability to be comfortable in that discomfort is currently for me, the epitome of patience. It's so hard, but I also know I can ride those waves and like surf those waves of discomfort. And they always lessen as long as I allow them in, like this too belongs, you know? So, it's so crazy in my
1: research for this episode, one of the things that was routinely said in everything I read was building a tolerance for the feeling of being uncomfortable. Funny. <laughs> Ugh, and man, I mean, it hit me. Yeah. I was like, I, okay, we're going on a little road trip this weekend and, you know, we're all going to be in the car together. And it's like, sometimes things can go awry. And the first thing that I want to do is fix it. Make everybody happy. Make sure you're happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. But the truth is, is there's sometimes that something happened. No one needs to fix it. I need to sit on my hands and cover my mouth and be quiet and get okay with that uncomfortable feeling because it really is. And it's hard. Like (laughs) when I read that, and when you use the example, it's so crazy. And that's probably why I avoid it because no one wants to sit in that uncomfortable feeling. But if you do it, like most things, you build a tolerance to it and you're able to kind of be like, okay, this is one of those situations. I'm going to keep my mouth closed. I'm going to let everybody absorb what just happened. And then we're all going to move on with our lives.
0: Yeah. In, in neuroscience, there's a term called widening your window. And when you practice sitting with discomfort and getting increasingly comfortable with discomfort, you're widening your window, meaning you're more resilient, meaning you can hold more without it flipping you out every time when you have a really narrow window, that's when we lose our temper, lose our patience, we're reactive. And so There is so much research behind mindfulness practice, certain styles of meditation too, and yoga and how they help us widen our window. They literally help us hold more without it affecting our mood and our nervous system and therefore everybody around us. Because, you know, as the, if you're the matriarch in the household, maybe you're the one holding a lot of it together. You know, I'm not, I know not in every house, we're all different, but like, I know for me, if I'm losing my, you know, what everybody else is having a bad time. And if I can keep it together and stay resilient and sponge-like and open and spacious and hold that, you know, it affects everyone
1: if mom ain't happy, ain't no one happy. My grandma used to have that sign in the kitchen and I used to think it was just like a whatever. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Moms have to hold so much space to be grounded and just being able to accept all the things that happen. Like my kids, I mean, I have two girls they are exactly three years apart. They fight incessantly. And I'm like, for so long, I wanted to jump in. And now I know I need to hold space to be there, for when the aftermath happens and how I react to that and to let them learn how to deal with situations like this and let them deal with their own relationship because it's not mine. Um, and that's, that's a lot of my practice for accepting my current circumstances, Mm -hmm. which is, I think another part of practicing patients is understanding that Right now it's like this. So when I was going through yoga teacher training, Lauren and my teacher, teacher Amber said right now it's like this. And it's actually the next thing that I want tattooed on me because it gets me through so many things because it can go for bad stuff. Like, okay, everything just hit the fan right now. It's like this 20 minutes. It'll probably be different. But it also can be for joyful things that you want to really sit in and absorb. Right now, it's like this. We know that other things are going to happen because life's a roller coaster. And so um, that has been from the time I started practicing mindfulness, which is when I met Lauren, to now, my biggest part of my practice is practicing right now. These are my current circumstances, and it won't be like this in a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. It's Such a powerful teaching, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really
1: changed the way I look at things in general because it's really easy to get caught up in your suffering. And especially when things are compounding, and it's like, good gracious, this happened. And then this happened, and this happened. And then woe is me. And suddenly you're in this spiral. And it's like, sometimes I have to say, wow, okay, this, 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 this all happened right now, it's like this, like in two weeks from now, so much of this will be off my plate. So many things will have changed and my current circumstance will be completely different.
0: Mm -hmm. And that
1: helps me get through that bridge of whatever's going on.
0: Yeah. I had a point where I had a piece of art up with that phrase, and then I had it on a sticky note. And then, you know, with these practices and You know, if you're using a phrase like that, putting physical reminders of it around you is so important because the more your eyeballs see it, even if you're not consciously thinking it, your eyeballs are taking that phrase in. And I think it now consciously, but also automatically all the time. If I'm really in it, I just say it right now. It's like this. And it gives me some freedom and kind of shakes my mind's tendency to think it's going to be like this forever. It's gonna mm-hmm. be this hard forever. And and I can say, no, it's not. It's not gonna be like this forever, you know.
1: That's why I want it tattooed on me. Is yeah. because it's literally the one phrase that you can. I mean, I have breathe on my arm, which is the other one that I would say. And so I'm like, that and breathe are what get me through most situations. <laughs> right now it's like this and keep breathing. Yeah. Right. That's all you can do. And those are probably two of my um like core things for practicing patience, but one of the things that I read, and this is really interesting, is that being playful can actually increase your ability to have patience, and I'm like, huh, wow, you know what? When I am kind of silly and goofy with my kids, and I'm playful, I feel a connection to them that maybe slows me down a little bit and allows me to drop into that moment, which brings me more patience because I'm being mindful of the moment.
0: Is that right? <laughs> I think it is. I am like thinking back to when I'm playful with my kids or with an animal or whatever, with my husband. And there is a sense of less tightness. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. less tightness. There's less like hard focus. And there's more sense of, opening and relaxing into the moment. And in that place, your nervous system is also relaxing, expanding. Um, All your systems are kind of turning down a notch. And in that place, your reactivity is lower.
1: Hmm. So so When I read that being playful, I was like, that's probably the number one from my research takeaway is Hmm. what an easy thing. Like I can be playful. I love that. And actually, sometimes I feel like I wish there was more fun. And I think that's why, because being playful helps my patience level and helps me connect and brings my nervous system down. So that's pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah. I've never, I've never heard that or thought of that. And it's so true. I love right. that so much. I mean, even just thinking about a situation where you're with somebody and the mood is tight and tense and serious and stern, and then a same situation when you're with somebody and you're laughing and joking and feeling connected that person could do the same annoying thing in each situation. And it's you who would react completely differently based off the energy of that, of that moment. So interesting. It's
1: so cool. I, I'm really going to try to remember that. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, I go back to humor in general for a lot of things. Like I told you last time I was like, there's that meme, like if there's a situation, no matter the situation, (laughs) I'm going to make a little jokey joke. And that's so me. Um, I need to remember that playfulness just in life because that is going to facilitate that. That's another way to practice that patience and get it inside of me. Um, one of the other things that I thought was interesting was practice being a good listener mm-hmm. and, um, what a skill that is, because like, I look at Ella, who is basically me when I was eight years old, she doesn't listen at all <laughs> at all and anything. And I think that that was me until like maybe even 30, I wasn't really listening and the last five years, for sure, I've taken a step back, and I want to absorb what people are saying and connect with that person and be in the moment. And that act of listening is probably why my mindfulness practice has done so well. Is just the connection of listening to others, which is crazy, and that's an active—you have to practice that. You know, you have to connect with another person and you have to listen to what they're saying. And sometimes, like, think about the workplace; it's like. I can't stand this person. Whatever's coming out of their mouth is stupid, you know? And so you have to take a step back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm going to hear what they have to say because it might land differently.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Kids can't really do it. That part of their brain isn't (laughs) developed. It's just not in their skill Um, but for adults, Active listening gets so much easier the more you practice mindfulness because the part of the brain that that would happen from gets denser and thicker and that's always a good thing when the gray matter grows. So we we actually talked about mindful listening in one of our first episodes. We should uh, oh my gosh, did in the right. show notes. Yeah, I think it was in mindful relationships or maybe challenging times, challenging people. That was a really, a really highly listened to episode. It
1: was (laughs) everybody. It was at the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was like having to switch to working from home. And yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so true. And it does take patience because mindful listening, isn't just looking at somebody with your eyes and thinking of what you're going to say next. I mean, you could fake it, you know, but on some level they'll know mindful listening is receiving what they're saying and then responding without re like pre-rehearsing or planning what you're going to say. So interesting. Yeah. And it can be hard. It's, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: like I've done it on here. I've been like, Oh my gosh, I have to, totally. she said something, a drug got to jump in. And it's like, number one, that's disrespectful. And number two, like, does she think that I'm not hearing what she's saying I'm a crazy person. I totally heard what you said, and I just need to say what I'm going to say or I'm going to forget it. But, and I know there's people like that, but the act of listening part of the practice and that gets you to the patients is sit on it. Listen, remember what you were going to say, digest it, take a breath and then respond. And that hasn't always been my way. And my mindfulness practice has been really key in getting me to where I am now and like Mm -hmm. really hearing what people are saying, even my kids, you know, like not brushing off the little things that they say, because sometimes the little things are actually big things, but if you're not hearing them, you know, so, um, the, Last thing I'll say about patience is something we all in our house work on daily when I was thinking about patience. And that's when you're feeling rushed, consciously slowing down. And I tell my daughters this every morning, we have five minutes until we have to leave. Everybody take a breath and then do what you need to do because it's like, otherwise it's like we have five minutes and everybody's and. So I have to say in my head, okay, everybody's about to feel rushed. Don't put that rush on them. Mm. Let's consciously slow down. And I only do that to slow things down, obviously, and to practice patience, but also to teach them that people are going to rush you along and encourage you and move you along. You can do that in a timely manner, but you're also allowed to take a second, ground yourself and then move forward. And that's okay. I never felt that that was an option until I met you. Did you know that? No. I thought that if someone said something, I needed to respond immediately. If someone needed to do something, I needed to do it just like that. And now, like you simply taught me, take a breath. You're allowed. You're allowed a beat. You're allowed a thought. And you respond then. And it's a big... It's a big empowering thing in patience, just to say like, huh, okay, you know, but some of us feel like we need the answer. We need to say it right then, especially like in a work situation, you know, it's like, you feel like you need to give the right answer, but the truth is you're human. You've got a lot on your plate and you need to digest it. Take a second. Hmm. Okay. Here's how I would respond. Instead of the um and uh and kind of thinking through it out loud, which is what I would do, but I need to like really think about it for two seconds so that I can respond how Misty would really
0: respond. It's like Misty's driving the bus instead of the outer world driving the bus. Yes. And that's a major flip flop shift in a good direction, right? I'm like a case study. Like
1: when totally. I like at, well, and now I'm for, I'm far enough in my mindfulness practice that I can see how much it has impacted. And I can see the things that have changed about myself and the unlearnings that I had to do and the talking to myself and telling myself, take a breath. Like as soon as someone's saying something and I'm like, oh my gosh, what they're saying sounds so confusing. And I have no idea how I'm going to respond, right? That's going Mm -hmm. on in my brain. As soon as they're done, you know what? That is a great question. And I really don't know the answer to that, but give me some time and let me get back to you. Misty would have never said that five years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like she would have just blasted through. "Uh, Well, you know, there's the, and then like kind of giving you what I knew about it. But the truth is, is like, I want to give you a really good answer. And in order to do that, I need to take a step back. And people respect that, but I never thought that, which is kind of crazy.
0: I think it all goes back to being comfortable in discomfort because the, the uncomfortable thing is to pause. The uncomfortable thing is silence. People cannot stand silence for the most part. The uncomfortable thing is saying, I don't know, but I'm going to consult with my colleagues. I'm going to do some research and I'll get back to you. The comfortable thing is the automatic, just filling the space with words, like word vomit. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I think as far as leaving our listeners with a practice from this episode, you guys, there are millions of ways to practice getting comfortable in discomfort, whether it's what we just talked about, whether it's you're trying to quit drinking and five o'clock comes around and you feel that urge, sit in that uncomfortable urge. I promise it will go away and it'll be six o'clock and you'll be so glad you didn't have that drink if this is the path that you're on. Sitting in the discomfort, like Missy's going on a road trip this weekend, of something happening in the car, there will be that moment that you want to burst. And you're going to sit in that burstful energy and not spew it onto your family. You're going to sit there and you're going to ride that wave in your body and it will eventually descend. And every time you do that, you're training and widening your window. It is one of the most powerful practices I know of living in this modern world to sit with discomfort. And one last way that we fill time, I mentioned we have a hard time with silence. We have a hard time being alone. Notice how many times you grab your phone to open an app, Gmail, Instagram, Facebook, because you're uncomfortable with downtime. And maybe out of that recognition of discomfort of downtime, something new can fill it that's actually nourishing, that will actually serve you, because Facebook, Instagram and Gmail actually don't serve you. They're just tools for connection, but but I'm going to guess they're not um elevating your experience as a human in this world today.
1: Man, those are such good practices and such good things to remember and I mean, I find myself like oh, wow, I have 5 minutes, like and then I pick up my phone, you know? Same. It's like that 5 minutes. Be just be go sit down, do a meditation, step outside. Like I have to remind myself of these. I'm really glad that we had this episode right before a road trip because you're absolutely right. I will have that uncomfortableness that will happen. And I will not only build my resilience and growth, that helps my family in sitting in that and letting them learn how to be uncomfortable, especially from an, a young age yes. and mom not always fixing it that this is the world we have to all deal with it and process it and get through it. And then we move forward. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate this conversation patients. um, You know, they say it's a virtue and it's definitely lived up to that in my life. I have yet to achieve it, but I keep working. And if you're listening, I can promise you, you probably care about your mindfulness practice. And um, I hope that you took something away. And we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. Have a good one.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.